Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Received on purpose. And in the book of Jeremiah chapter 5, the Bible tells us there, reading from verse number 30, the Bible says, A wonderful and a horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what shall you do in the end? If you read Second Timothy chapter 2, sorry, Second Timothy chapter 4, Reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us there. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own loss shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Now, these two verses of the scripture that I've just read, tells us the reality of what is going to happen in the last days. It tells us the reality of what is going to happen within the church. And it tells us, most importantly, the reality of deception among not just the people outside, but even people within the church and the body of Christ. Okay? It was Socrates, for those of us who follow all these philosophical things, it was Socrates who said, he said, whenever, therefore, people are deceived and form opinion wide of the truth, he said, it is clear that the error was slid into their mind through the medium of certain resemblance to the truth. In other words, the man is saying that people are deceived when the truth is mixed with error. Okay? It is very difficult for you to fall for a direct lie. But it's very easy for somebody to fall for a lie that has an element of truth around it. So Socrates is saying that when you know people are deceived when they do what? When they mix the truth with a little bit of error. Now, the church is living in an age of deception. Paul the Apostle described the age that we are living in in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. They will be covetous. They will be boasters. They will be proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. He said, without natural affections, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, 
High-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That is a very long list. <laughs> you know, Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And he said, from these kinds of people, he said, turn away. In other words, do not associate with this kind of people. No one can argue that deception is rampant around us right now. Deception is not only rampant in the open society. It's not only rampant in politics, in business, in sport, or in every area of life. But it's also rampant inside the church of God. There are a lot of people who are being told that yes, they are going to heaven when they have not even started the journey to heaven. There are people who believe that yes, they have an express line to the Almighty God when they don't even know that the express line that they have is actually to a different direction. The point you are making is that there is a lot of deception going on. A lot of people who are living their life, you look at them, they claim to be Christians, but their life has nothing to do with Christianity. The way they live their life has nothing to do with Christianity. They do not even represent the Christ that they claim that they have. And this is not just among members of the church. It's actually from the pulpit, from the people who are the custodians of the word of God. So what we find is that deception is rampant. But the question is, what do we mean when we're talking about deception? What is this thing called deception? Okay, what do we mean when we say somebody is deceived? According to the dictionary, deception is causing another to believe what is not true. That is, when you say somebody is deceived, it means that individual has believed a lie. That person has believed something that is not true. That person has believed a story. It's just like you wake up in the morning. I don't know how many of you are receiving this kind of email. But you receive that email who is the Nigerian prince. Okay? And they tell you that they have an oil drill. And all you have to do is to bring a thousand dollars. How can you imagine you bring a thousand dollars to get five million? What kind of deal is that? But the idea is that they tell you that kind of story. And then you get so happy. And then you put some money and begin to send money to some boys who are sitting in a, in a cyber cafe. And at the end of the day, you lose out on your money the point you are making is that deception deception is to cause another to believe what is not true so that they can be misled or to be ensnared that is the whole purpose deception is aimed directly at inducing a false perception onto somebody in other words they give you an impression that this is what is existing but at the end of the day the truth is actually very far from what they are presenting deception is a deliberate enterprise when you want to deceive somebody, you don't do it by accident. Okay? You do it deliberately because you know what you're about to do. You know that the person does not understand what is going on. And you sell that person a load, a, a boatload of nonsense. And if the person is not properly educated or properly informed, they believe that kind of nonsense. So deception is a deliberate enterprise. It is not a result of chance. It's not something that happened by accident. Psalm 5, reading from verse number 6, tells us, The Lord will abhor the bloody and the deceitful man. In other words, the Lord hates deception. The Lord abhors deception. And the reason why the Lord abhors deception is because, number one, deception originates from the heart. The reception is something that comes in in the heart. It's something that is already going on inside of you. Deception is not something you pick up along the way. It's something already existing in your heart. And number two is because deception is characterized by falsehood. In other words, you are lying. That's just it. 
Now we live in a civilized society. You don't tell people that they lied anymore. You just say that they are economical with the truth. You know. But the point, but the point is that when you are a liar, you are a liar. There is a particular thing we used to say back home where I come from. They say what is not good is not good. It has no other name. If you are a liar, you are a liar. If you are a thief, you are a thief. But right now they say you have a sticky finger. What is sticky finger? You are a thief. The point is that deception, number one, starts in the heart. And number two, it already, you know, it's characterized by falsehood. Okay, and that is why the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17. If you read from verse number 19, the Bible tells us there. It said their heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In other words, when we sit down in church, everybody looks good. Everybody speaks well. Everybody appears as if they are righteous. And some are even so good that you think that they don't even walk on the land. It's like they walk on water. You know, they look so good. But like I keep saying here, if you plug their heart to a monitor and show it on the screen, a lot of interesting things will be in there. I tell people the difference between those of us who are here in this room right now, the difference between those of us who are not against the law, the difference between those of us who are still living a, a, a lawful lifestyle, and the people out there is number one the grace of God and number two probably because you are too afraid you don't want to fall into the hands of the police or you don't want to embarrass your family but it's not because you can't do what they are doing it's not because you can't do it if you have the opportunity and you have the right chance you probably be able to steal money too if you have the opportunity and you have your and you and you, and, you, and you have the means you might be able to do some very illegal things but the reason why many of us don't do what we do is number one because of the grace of God upon our lives if number one, number two, some of us are too chicken to do it. So we don't want to be caught. You don't want to, you don't want to go to jail. You're afraid of police and then you step away. But for a Christian, the difference between a Christian and somebody who's not a Christian is the grace of God. It's the grace of God. If you take away the grace of God from that life, they are capable of doing exactly what people outside are doing. And that is why the Bible tells us in that Jeremiah, he said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now these are the these are you no know, there are basically two sources of deception basically two sources the first one is external okay external deception that is deception that comes in as a result of people who you interact with or the spirit of the devil that try to mess up with your mind and the second one is internal external deception you can easily deal with okay it's either you shut that mouth or you shut that spirit and say, devil, get behind me. And that, you know, you're able to deal with it. But the worst kind of deception is the deception that you is the lie that you tell yourself. When you're not as good looking as myself and you look in the mirror and say, hey, how good looking I am. That's a lie. You know you're not that good. But that is a story for another day. The point we are making is this. When you lie to yourself, that is one of the worst forms of deception. Okay? Deception of lying to yourself. And that is internal deception. Now that we have seen the sources of deception, the question is, why are people deceived? Why are people deceived? Why is it easy for people to be deceived within the church of God? Why are people deceived? People are deceived, number one, when they misunderstand the nature of God. People are deceived when they misunderstand the nature of God. What does that mean? Many of us look at God and we think that God is just like one of us. Okay? God is having the same kind of attitude like one of us. God is a God that is inconsistent like all, like all of us, like one of us. God behaves the way we behave. And the way we see God is the way we relate to him. So when people are deceived, when they have the misunderstanding, when they misunderstand the nature of God. Number two, people are deceived when they distort the character of God. 
When they think that all God is interested in is the money you put in the offering. All God is interested in is the kind of prayer, you know, is for you. If you want to get God, you just twist his hand and they say one or two kind of prayer and then God begins to answer your prayer. You, know, you think that you can, you know, when, when you think that you can manipulate the character of God, sorry, manipulate God to giving you what you want, you get easily deceived. And that is why there are some prophets. There is a name we used to call them. You know, you, you know, in the church we say there are prayer warriors. Eh? There is a translation in the local language where I come from. It means that pray, people who fight with prayer, that's actually, you know, that's, a, that's prayer warrior. But when we translate it into where I come from, they call it people who eat with prayer. Eh? It's called Afadra Jem. You know? And you have those kind of people. When you fall into the hands of people like that, if you don't know the character of God, Okay, if you don't know the character of God, you fall into the hands of people like that. Who said that all you have to do, you don't, don't worry, you give me the money, I'll pray for you, I'll talk to God for you on your behalf. Okay, there are people who do it, it's a business. They will talk to God on your behalf. And if you don't know the character of God, if you have, if you misunderstand the nature of God, you are easily deceived by people like that. Number three, who are the people who are deceived? The people are deceived when they reject the truth of the word of God. When you reject the truth of the word of God, you become easily deceived. Because when the Lord is saying that a man should live a holy life, when the Lord is saying that there are certain things that nobody will come into the kingdom without coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Lord, when the scripture is making certain things very clear to us, and we receive and we reject that particular truth, it is easy for us to believe what we think is convenient for the way that we want to live. When the way you want to live is the way you want to live and you don't care what the Bible teaches or what, what the Word of God reveals to us, it is easy for you to believe a lie that anybody is telling you. Number four, people are deceived when they define the Scripture, when they redefine the Scripture. I tell people, what is so difficult about thou shalt not steal? <laughs> it's not difficult for you to understand. It's not difficult that for, there's nothing difficult about thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit, uh, convert your neighbor's property. There is nothing difficult about it. It's either you understand it or you don't understand it. It's either you obey it or you don't want to obey it. But when we begin to redefine scripture, when you begin to take the word of God and say, God, this that is not what God is saying. God is not saying thou shalt not steal. In fact, especially when you steal with your pen, that does not include stealing. God was actually referring to those who go and rob the bank. You know, when you start redefining what the Bible teaches, it makes you very, very, it makes you a prime candidate for deception. And the Bible tells us in one thing, in Psalm 119 verse 89, it says, Oh, forever, O Lord, your word is settled. In other words, what God has said, he will say, regardless of how you feel about it. When he said, thou shalt not steal, he meant thou shalt not steal. In the days of Moses, that was what it meant. Today, it is still the same thing. It still meant the same thing. And if you live to be a hundred years, thou shalt not steal, will still remain, thou shalt not steal. It doesn't matter how you define it. So people are deceived when they redefine scripture. People are also deceived when they refuse to acknowledge their own sinful nature. When you think that you are above a particular sin, when you think that you are better than certain things, when you believe that you can, you know, you, I mean, there is, a, there, is a, there is a saying that we, you know, where we come from, there is a saying that says that when a man begins to climb the tree and goes past the tree, it goes past the leaf, you know that person is in trouble. The issue is that when you think that you are better than you are, when you think that you can never make mistake, when you think that you can, you are, you are infallible, when you think that you are the one, oh, you are the one who, you know, who is above everything, you are setting yourself up for a fall. You are easily deceived. 
And that's why you find out that the people who are most destructive people, the most dangerous human being, are the people who do not have anybody telling them when they make a mistake. When you see a man who has nobody speaking into his life and saying, my friend, what you did is not good. If, there is, if you don't have that kind of a person in your life, or you are that kind of person who never received that kind of instruction or received that kind of rebuke from anybody, you are a dangerous person. The reason you are a dangerous person is because you will do something and nobody will be able to stop you. You can kill and nobody will tell you that you are wrong. You can do whatever you want to do. There is no voice of reason in your life. And when you are the kind of person who believes, you know, who, who refuses to acknowledge the sinful nature of man, deception is very easy. Because the Bible tells us, Psalm 51 verse 5 tells us, he said, Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, you are not as righteous as you think you are. The Bible tells us all our righteousness is like a filthy rat before the Almighty God. He said, There is none righteous. There's no right, there's nobody righteous before the Almighty God. Our righteousness is in Christ. When you recognize your own limitations, when you recognize your own limitations, deception is reduced. But when you think that you are above all things, then it's easy for you to be deceived. Very, very easy for you to be deceived. So what fascinates me about this issue of deception is that the people who are deceived, hmm, in most cases don't even know that they have been deceived until it's very, very late. They don't even know that they have been deceived. When you think that you can never be deceived, that is the time that you are most vulnerable. That is the time you are most vulnerable. When you think you can never be deceived. And that is why the Bible tells us that let us always make sure that we are always examining ourselves to make sure that we remain in the faith. When you think you can never be deceived, that is when you are most vulnerable to deception. The question then is, how does deception work? How does deception work? How are people deceived? How are people deceived? Let's look into the scriptures. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, you all know the story, is the story of the fall. The story of Adam and Eve. If you start reading from verse number 1, the Bible tells us there. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has the Lord said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse number 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Come on, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be God, you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. In other words, the serpent is saying, This is what the Lord has told you. This is what you think the Lord is saying. But actually, that's not what the Lord meant. And besides, God doesn't have your interest at heart. When he said, but he said you should not eat this thing. When he knows it's going to be beneficial to you. When he knows that if you eat this thing, you are going to be like a God. I mean, you, want, you would know the difference between good and evil. You are going to even actually be like a God. If God had your interest at heart, he would have told you to eat that thing. That's basically what the devil is telling them. And because Eve was not fully informed, because the Bible makes us understand that when the Lord was giving that instruction, only Adam was present. Eve was not there. So Eve was not fully informed, and so Eve fell for that particular trap. So how does deception work? Deception works, number one, it works in a very subtle way, in a very gentle way. The Bible says that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. You never see anybody who wants to deceive you and say, yes, 
Mr. Preacher, today is the day I want to deceive you. And you definitely if it comes to you like that, you look at what's wrong with this guy. You know, things like that. You start asking yourself. But the point we're asking, but the point we're making is that deception works gently. Deception comes to you in a way that you don't even suspect. It presents a picture that is beautiful. It presents a picture that is unsuspecting. It presents a picture that you look and you say, okay, this does not threaten me. This does not disturb anything. And then you open the gate and allow them to come in. So number one, deception works by the, you know, gently. Number two, deception works by casting doubt on the truth. Look at the verse of the scripture. The devil said, and she, and he said unto, and she said unto the woman, has the Lord said, the woman said, what? He said, what did the Lord tell you? He said, God said we should not eat it. But he now went back and turned that word around and said, has the Lord said. In other words, casting doubt in the mind of that particular woman. The question is this, if you look at yourself, assuming I gave an instruction here, I gave an announcement, and you were not present during the time of the announcement, and then you asked the person sitting next to you, what did the pastor say about baptismal class? And then you said, okay, the person said, oh, but the pastor said you should come to baptismal class on Saturday at 5 o'clock. And then the person sitting next to you said, did you say 5 o'clock? You that is sitting there, that heard the message, if you are not sure, the next you say, I don't know, maybe he said 4 o'clock. The point we are making is that deception comes by casting a doubt upon the truth of the word of God that you have heard. The truth of the word of God that you have heard, the deception, the one who is intending to deceive you will cast a doubt upon it. And that is why you need to be grounded in the word of God. That is why you need to know exactly what the word of God teaches. The example I gave you about the time of baptismal class. If you were present at the time of the uh, at the time of the announcement, and I said five o'clock, and then somebody said, "Did he say? Did you actually say five o'clock?" You say yes because I heard it. I was in the play. I heard five o'clock. The point I'm making is that when you know the truth, when the enemy tries to cast doubt upon the truth, it becomes ineffective because you already know. But when you don't fully understand the truth of the word of God, when you are not grounded in the truth of the word of God, when you are not sure what the word of God says, when the enemy comes and says, Does the, as the Lord said, what happened is that you don't know how to fight back because you are not really sure. That's what happened when you go and take a test as a student. You begin to circle the test. You begin to circle the test. You begin to circle the test. If you don't know that particular subject very well and you see the answer, hmm, you start beginning to look at it. Do I, do I take C or do I take A? Do I take B or do I take D? You start jumping around, jumping around, and then at the end of the day, mm, you just circle one like that. It's because you are not sure. Okay? The point is when you know what you know, it's very difficult for somebody to convince you otherwise. That's the point we're making. So deception comes, number one, gently. Deception comes, number two, by casting doubt on the truth. Number three, deception preys on the ignorance. The Bible said, God has said, ye shall not eat, neither shall ye touch it. The Lord did not say, thou just shall not touch it. If you read the scripture very well, there is nothing there that he says that you should not touch it. He just says, don't eat it. Okay? The point is that when you are ignorant, when you don't know something, it's easy to fool that individual. It's easy to make that person a prey in the hands of those who wants to deceive you notice that those who come into this country very early, when they come into this country and they don't know anything, if you tell them that this is the way, if you get on the freeway, don't run through the freeway, just stand in the middle. If they are stupid enough, they will do it. If they don't know, the point I'm making is that when you are ignorant, when you don't know how things are done, what happens is that you are easily deceived. You are easily deceived. 
And that is why you find out that a lot of immigrants into this country, they fall into the hands of people who will manipulate and take advantage of them. The reason is because not just, the reason is not because those people are stupid. The reason is because they don't know how things are working. So, deception preys on ignorance. Number four, deception creates false assurance. Deception creates false assurance. The Bible tells us the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. When God said, when you eat this thing, you are going to die. He said, you shall not surely die. But when the Lord actually said that they were going to die, the Lord meant that they were going to die. And the Bible makes us understand that we day that Adam ate that particular fruit. Though Adam did not die physically, but he died spiritually. Because at that point in time, there was no longer connection. If you read the scriptures very well, you find that from that point in time, Adam started hiding from the Almighty God. Spiritual death came into the life of man because of that particular disobedience. So when the enemy tells you, gives you a false assurance that all is well, it is not well. And I go back to that Nigerian email. You will notice that when they send it to you, I tell you that if you send this particular amount of money, all of a sudden you are going to be the owner of a proud well, or you are going to own a particular business, or we are going to open the vault of the central bank, and then you can have the money unlimited. And if you believe that kind of crap, what happens is that you send your money and you are waiting and expecting that yes, one day somebody's going to bring tanker or petrol into your house, somebody's going to bring you and give you access to the central bank, but it gives you a false assurance, but you never know that you have been deceived. And that's what I said earlier on. There are so many people who think that they are having, that they have a relationship with God who have not even been born again. There are many people who think that they are going to heaven who have not even started the journey to heaven in the first place. So, you know, deception creates a false assurance to the person who has been deceived. And then finally, deception questions the integrity of the Almighty God. That's what deception does. The Bible tells us, say, for God knows that the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God, knowing, evil, knowing good and evil. In other words, the deceived person wants to give you the impression that God does not have your interest at heart. That God does not like you. If God loved you, he would have given you the opportunity to be another God. He would have given you the opportunity to eat and do whatever you want to do. And that is why you find out that any, any, any faith, any religion... That does not take away something from you. That does not take away lying from you. That does not take away cheating from you. That does not take away any life of promiscuity from you. Any religion or any faith or the Jesus Christ that does not take away sin from your life. It's not going to take you anywhere. I can assure you that. Any religion that does not take away from take away sin from you is not taking you anywhere. So deception questions the integrity of the Almighty God. It challenges the word of God. It challenges the faithfulness of God. It challenges the full the, 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 the truthfulness of the Almighty God. Deception questions the integrity of the Almighty God. Another question that comes to mind is what are the signs that you see when deception is at work in the life of an individual or in a church? How do you know that deception is working? What are the signs that you see when deception is at work? The signs of deceptions, number one, is you find out that there is what is called a superficial understanding of the gospel. You talk to somebody who is already deceived, somebody who believes a different gospel. They tell you they are the people that make the biggest hallelujah. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you ask them anything about the scripture, they have no clue. 
But they are the ones that make the loudest noise. They are the ones that gives you, gives you what do you call it, the, this superficial experience. They are the one who tells you every, you know, before you say a word, God told me this, God told me that, God told me this. But they are not grounded in the world. You will know that deception is already at work. Number two, how do you know that deception is at work? Deception is at work when you have a false sense of assurance. When that person is so confident that they can never do wrong. They are so confident that they have the direct line to God and they are the only one who has a monopoly on the knowledge of the word of God. When you see somebody who behaves like that, you know that there's deception at work. Number three, when deception is at work, self-examination will be lacking. What do we mean by that? It means the Bible makes us to understand. It says, say, check yourself whether you are still in the faith. My brothers and sisters, you know when you are lying. You know. Even if you take a sleeping tablet, you know when you are lying. You know when you have committed sin. You know when you have done something wrong. Even a little baby knows when they commit wrong, topless of adults. So there is a need, if you are not able to do what is called self-analysis, if you cannot do self-examination, if you cannot check yourself, after you have made a comment, you should be able to say, mm, what I did is not good. If nobody else is telling you, your conscience should be able to tell you. If your conscience does not bring that kind of examination and that's a kind of condemnation to you, you know that you're on the road to deception. And then number four, when activity is elevated. What we mean by activity is elevated is that when people run up and down, all they are doing is just being busy in the church, doing this and doing that, doing that. They don't have time to actually communicate with that same God. You know there is a problem. For those who are married, you know that when a man and a woman keeps running up and down, they don't have time to sit down to talk. They don't have time to talk as a husband and wife. They don't have time to do things together as a family. You know that particular family is going to break up. Because if they keep running up and down, they are not talking to each other, there is going to be a problem. The same thing, when activity is elevated, deception is on the way. Not only that, when reverence for God is diminished, you know deception is on the way. What do I mean by that? People coming to church and behaving as if they are walking into their own bedroom. People approaching God as if God is like they are one of their bodies. People behaving in church as if that God, you know, as if church, as if God is just one of those things that you just, you know, it's just one of those guys that you say, you know, boys with the boys. They understand, God understand. You when you when you treat the things of God with levity, when you treat the things of God as if they are not important, you know that deception is about to come in. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.